Texas Trucking Network with Kevin Gordon. Welcome aboard. Thanks for tuning in as we head on into this Tuesday morning down this information superhighway, as I like to refer to it. Thanks for being with us. Certainly appreciate it. A um, lot of stuff to get to. And, you know, this yellow corporation and the bidding and the auctions and all this sort of stuff, it's all, you know, it, it keeps fomenting and it keeps cropping up. And it's just one of these stories that's just not going away. And there's always some sort of little intrigue in this. And very interesting. So we'll get right to it here. Next Century Logistics submitted a second bid for Yellow Corp assets on December the 7th after an initial offer to reanimate the bankrupt less-than-truckload carrier was turned down by the administrators of Yellow's assets. Now, you may recall this investment group that was headed up by the chairman of the company, Jack Cooper Transport, uh, they are a truck hauling, they are a new car hauling uh, company. And it was owned by the Riggs family. And this Sarah Riggs Amico put together a group of investors or put together some sort of a plan to possibly buy Yellow, um, the entire corporation. And you may recall that the bid was to like $1.15 billion. And they were t- attempting to resurrect Yellow as a union company, but it was going to require all kinds of concessions, either from the federal government and other places. And the bankruptcy court and the bankruptcy trustees just said, you know, this just isn't viable and it's it's not going to fly and we're not going to approve it. We're not going to move it forward and so on. So it and at the time there was you know, all it was was an investment group and they really didn't have a name for the company. And I hadn't seen until this particular story. They're calling it Next Century Logistics. Okay. The latest proposal by Next Century Logistics led by Jack Cooper Transport uh, Chair Sarah Am, uh, Sarah Riggs Amico is for 46 owned terminals and 147 lease terminals as well as Yellow's rolling stock sources close to the bid set on um, December the 8th. An initial, uh, let me see, Yellow, uh, we've mentioned this several times before, Yellow owned about 12,700 tractors and 42,000 trailers at the end of the second quarter in 2023 before they filed for bankruptcy. An initial ongoing concern bid from Next Century for all of Yellow's uh, Yellow was not viable and did not offer enough cash to abandon the ongoing sale of the hauler's asset, according to lawyers connecting uh, representing the creditors as far as uh, Yellow is concerned. According to Kirkland and Ellis, um, which is a law firm, Peter Nash said in a letter that bid submitted November the 28th also understated the cost of reanimating Yellow and overstated potential revenue and earnings after the company's doors shut, which led to the likely permanent loss of customers. Now, this is something we talked about, and I mentioned several times on this program, that once, you know, when they start talking about Yellow and reviving Yellow, I kept asking the question, well, you know, when they say that, you know, that this is, um, um, that they can bring this back, well, as we saw, as Yellow started deteriorating and the Teamsters and the negotiations dragged on, 
more and more customers being fearful of a impending strike or a potential strike started taking their business elsewhere. So not only did you have problems as far as income and revenue flows as far as negotiating with their debt and so on and then of course operating the company but then they had losing revenue from uh, customers abandoning them and going with other carriers so this started dragging down on their earnings or revenue and of course their bottom line which led to them not being able to meet their uh, obligations and force them or as they say uh, force them into bankruptcy now once these customers go someplace else, it's very difficult to get them back. The time to strike is when you've got these customers and they're happy rather than trying to coerce them to come back. And so this was another problem that they, you know, as they mentioned in here, that they had underestimated because, again, when you've been shut down since, what was it, in August? I mean, those those carriers and those those customers would have had to have gone someplace by now. And to try to revive them back would have, I think, put Yellow or the new company at a, a serious disadvantage. Next Century Logistics initial bid was for $1.15 billion in cash and a further $1.5 billion in uh, uh, perpetual preferred stock. Now, it is preferred stock, so it is registered with the SEC. But back in the day, I don't know if you ever remember back in the 80s and 90s when there was a lot of merger and acquisition activity, and there was this term that was being floated around called junk bonds. And junk bonds basically boiled down to a promissory note, a borrowing from individuals with the pledge that, okay, we are going to pay you a high rate of interest, which is above and beyond what normal uh, borrowings are to attract investors. And with these basically being unsecured debt at the time, a lot of these companies were, you know, making all these different deals and convincing people to invest in them, lend them money, and they went out and did a lot of acquisitions. Some of them were very successful, and some of them were dismal failures and led to the downfall of a number of prominent companies in this uh, in, in the business world. One of the biggest ones happened to be Federated Department Stores because there was a group out of, uh, I believe it was Canada, that put together one of these um, uh, deals. And you may remember back at the time, too, there were these people like Carl Icahn. You may have heard of his name. Um they were corporate raiders. They would go in and they would start buying the um, stock of these companies saying that they were going to take them over. And then they were talking about making offers to other um, stockholders in order to get their stock. And the companies involved didn't want somebody like Carl Icahn because what he would do is they'd come in and they'd look at these companies and they'd say, well, okay, I own this company now or I've got a lot of the stock involved in this company and the company is worth a lot more when you piece it out as opposed to as it is as a whole. So what they were doing is coming in and buying some of these companies and then selling off parts of them to other companies and making a lot of money that way. To prevent them from doing that, some of these companies would then wind up paying a premium to Carl Icahn. In other words, to bribe him or to pay him off to go away. And so there was a lot of stuff going on, but especially <clears throat> what was going on as far as junk bonds were concerned, because you're basically lending money against no asset. 
you're only lending that money with a promise to be repaid. And again, as I mentioned, those interest rates were a lot higher than what was the current uh, current going rate at that time. And, you know, for a while there, um, a lot of that happened. But uh, when you look at this, the way they're structuring this and what the um, the folks in charge of the bankruptcy and the uh, attorneys involved and the trustees, they're saying that, yeah, we don't see that this being viable. So, again, they're talking about paying a 7% dividend on this uh, preferred stock which I think these trustees are saying would probably be unsustainable because it's a lot higher than what the normal interest rate would be. Up to 15,000 ex-employees of Yellow would have been had the opportunity to join the uh, revived company. According to uh, Tenney Group, and this is according to a statement made uh, to the media, Tenney Group Senior Vice President Eric Heath, a specialist in bankruptcy proceedings, said he had never seen a company of this scale reanimated in this way seeking court protection and this is goes in line with something that i've been saying since july when they first filed for july august when they first filed for bankruptcy this is like unlike any other bankruptcy that i have ever seen in the hit i mean as far as my accounting career was concerned uh in looking at other companies and trying to learn from their mistakes and seeing the headlines in terms of a lot of businesses that were filing bankruptcy to kind of give you a heads up in terms of steering your clients into other ways or, or certain advice so that they don't wind up going down the path of these companies that went bankrupt. And so, you know, when you're a student of, of finance and you're a student of what's going on in the business world, you learn some of this stuff and you want to try to prevent that from happening to companies that are clients of yours. And these were some of the things that I was observing at the time. And like I said, I have never seen a situation like this come about and uh, how it all f unfolded and where it stands right now. And we're going to pick this up on the other side because uh, there's still a lot of stuff in here and some of the stuff that uh, they're talking about in terms of what is going to happen, how it's going to happen, and how this is going to impact the trucking industry. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. This is the Racing Report on America's Trucking Network on 700 WLW. Three-time Supercars champion and winner of the inaugural Chicago Street Race in the NASCAR Cup Series, Shane Van Glesbergen has been says he will partake in 30 or more races in 2024, mainly in the Xfinity Series, a few cup races, and some truck action also. With six wins under his belt from a breakout year in 2023, NASCAR Cup Series driver William Byron carries momentum into 2024 as Liberty University announced the school will sponsor Byron in 12 races in the upcoming season. Liberty has sponsored Byron since 2014. KCK Racing says it will move not one, but both teams to the high-limit racing series as is new in 2024 after competing the last 15 years in the world of outlaws with over 200 wins and six championships hunt brothers pizza who sponsored kevin harvick prior to his retirement has now teamed up with team penske to put its pizza brand on the number 22 ford mustang driven by two-time nascar cup series champion joey logano daytona international speedway has paved over a grass area on the backstretch where that violent wreck of nascar cup series drive Ryan Priest happened last August. This is the Racing Report on America's Trucking Network 
on 700 WLW. Seg Dennis and ATN. Escape to the village of nothing much and delight in soothing tales. From the lakefront inn to the downtown bookshop to the cabin in the woods. Based on the beloved Nothing Much Happens podcast. Thanks for hanging with us. I certainly appreciate it. You know, in the previous segment, we were talking about this uh, story that uh, Dark Horse Bitter makes a second offer for uh, Yellow's assets. And we talked about this investment group that was headed, that is headed up by Jack Cooper Transport Executive Chairman Sarah Riggs Amico. And you may recall back in November, they made a, um, a bid for the entire assets of Yellow. And again, coming up on these deadlines, when they were going to have a listing and sealed bids from different companies, different interested parties, shall we say. Because when they shut their doors, of course, they're saying that, okay, we're going to auction off all these assets. We're going to auction off the rolling stock, which are the trucks and the trailers. But then a lot of the value with this company had to do with the terminals that they owned or the terminals that they leased. You know, they had the real estate value of these terminals and the buildings themselves. And so for a lot of other trucking companies out there, these were attractive assets to possibly purchase. So the bankruptcy court set up and set up these plans to auction these off, and the auction was held last week. But even though they were in the process of doing this, sealed bids were supposed to be received by a date certain, and various people were lining up to make uh, make bids on this. And yet, here is a group that came in kind of almost at the last minute trying to pause everything in order for them to make a bid for the entire organization. And the bankruptcy court, I guess, took a look at that and said, hey, you know, your financing isn't there and some of the problems we see with this and, and so on. So the auction was held last week, as you may recall, XPO. Uh, wound up getting um, a lot or actually had the highest bid and bought a, a number of those properties for I think it was $870 million. But as they talked about this and why there was problems with this particular offer and why it wasn't accepted, some of the biggest problems, according to this bankruptcy attorney, he pointed out was the fact that uh, calls, uh, number one, it included unsecured creditors committee had indicated no support for this offer. So the unsecured creditors, which are standing by, because an unsecured creditor is somebody that's lent money to a, a, a corporation or to a company with no assets backing that up. So basically, it's a, a promise to pay. And these unsecured uh, creditors are usually in a bad position because the secured creditors get paid off first. People that have liens on the assets, liens on the trucks, liens on the trailers, liens on the property, et cetera, mortgages and so on. They're in a first position. But unsecured creditors are down at the bottom of the totem pole and they generally get squat. So um, any type of a bid or something that would come in that would uh, potentially get more money for them, they would be interested in this. But based on what they were seeing, they weren't even on board as far as this particular uh, offer and this bid by this uh, uh, group uh, called uh, Next Century Logistics. So that was one problem. Another problem was that the U.S. Department of Treasury had already extended $740 million to uh, Yellow back during COVID because of um, them having a lot of contracts with um, 
uh, military bases and also how many contracts they had with large box store companies, uh, big box companies like uh, Walmart, um, Home Depot, and Lowe's. All these businesses needed to stay open during COVID. And so in order to keep the trucks running, the government lent $740 million to uh, Yellow in order to keep them afloat. Also, again, um, Yellow did a lot of contracts with military bases, providing food, equipment, and stuff for the commissaries and for the bases themselves. So in order to keep that flowing, that um, was one of the reasons that this loan was um, given. Now, based on what the initial offering was in terms of all the auctions and and what was being pledged as far as purchasing these assets, it looked like the government was going to be, or does look like at this point, that the government is going to be paid back in full. But this proposal from next century was asking them to postpone the payment that is due next year on into the year 2026. And again, that is not something in the best interest of the federal government or for most people that hold that paper would actually be interested in uh, extending. Now, um, again, a wrinkle with that was that most of these jobs were going to be union, and I'm kind of surprised that it didn't get a little bit more look from that, given the fact that the current administration needs some help from the uh, unions because they have not been too friendly with the unions. Also, another wrinkle happened to do with the Department of Labor because uh, um, there would have been involved money as far as being invested from the 401ks and the pension plans back into yellow And that is a concession that has to be made because according to um, most pension laws, you cannot invest in your, in the company your employees work for. And, um, this was some, however, that rule was broken back in, um, 2008 when they um, renegotiated the debt and whatever the, um, the bailout of General Motors back in 2008. The Department of Labor made an exception in that case, but apparently they're not willing to do that here. In the final paragraph, the letter, uh, Nash told Amico, and her team, the debtors appreciate the time and efforts into preparing this, submitting this bid. However, next century's bid is currently contemplated, does not represent the best interest of the debtors. Uh, the court documents filed December the 4th uh, said 128 out of Yellow's 169 owned terminals had been sold to 21 different buyers, while two lease terminals also found homes in an auction that began November the 28th. Um, also, let's see, a bankruptcy court hearing. Oh, let me see. And I skipped the paragraph here. Yellow is set to receive a combined 1.9 billion for the first terminals to be parceled off. The court document showed with 46 owned terminals still up for sale, as well as 147 of the yellows, 149 lease properties. Yellow's rolling stock is also being auctioned off. So, Again, what this next round of bidding is being done with this um, next century is for the remaining assets of the ones that had already been auctioned off. So uh, they'll see how that plays out. Bankruptcy court hearing today, uh, being Tuesday, um, will decide whether to approve that first round of asset sales. Nash indicated the letter that the halting of the sale process was not in Yellow's best interest. Court hearing would see Yellow's terminals spread out among other carriers and so on. They mentioned XPO with 840, uh, 870 million, uh, 26 terminals as well as, uh, Estes Express 
landed the second largest number of terminals, owning about uh, offering to pay for or buy 24 of the terminals. So a lot of um, moving parts here. But uh, and then they still haven't talked in terms of when they're going to set the auction or when they're going to start uh, the auctioning off the trucks and the trailers, which could add a lot more money or even more money to what the uh, bankruptcy proceedings are going to be and the money raised in order to pay off the creditors. But number one, it looks like the federal government is going to come out. We, the taxpayers, not the federal government, but we, the taxpayers, are going to make out on this deal. So a lot of moving parts there, and it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Coming up, we've got today in transportation history as well as oil and gas prices. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW. Cincinnati. A local community will be holding a public meeting regarding marijuana dispensaries. With the 1230 report, I'm Sean McCormick breaking now. Whether or not to allow a marijuana dispensary within a local government's limits is a hot topic for several Ohio communities. And Monday night, Madeira City Council members discussed it at their meeting. An ordinance to ban such dispensaries within city limits wasn't voted on. Instead, a public meeting on the ordinance will be held, giving the community an opportunity to share their views. The... Law and Safety Committee of Madeira is responsible for holding that meeting with a recommendation to council coming afterward. Now the latest forecast from the Train Heating and Cooling Weather Center on News Radio 700 WLW. Mostly clear skies overnight. It will be chilly. We're into the upper 20s with a wind chill near the low 20s, if not the upper teens out the door starting Tuesday morning. Skies will stay clear throughout Tuesday as we climb up towards about 47 degrees. Could be a little warmer in some spots towards the south. Overnight and Wednesday, though, a cold front coming through. That drops our temperatures down to 42 for Wednesday. Thursday, a little warmer, 46 in sunshine. From your severe weather station, I'm 9 First Warning Meteorologist Brandon Spinner, News Radio 700 WLW. Radar is clear. It's currently 28 degrees. House Speaker Mike Johnson on Monday night has confirmed the entire House will be voting Wednesday to formalize its impeachment inquiry into President Biden. With details is ABC's Andy Field. House Speaker Johnson telling a Wall Street Journal CEO counsel that Republicans must formally vote on an impeachment probe to give the House power to go to court against the president, claiming... The White House has begun to stonewall that investigation. They're not turning over critical documents and they're not allowing witnesses to testify. The Biden administration says even many House Republicans say there is no solid evidence that would tie President Biden to any illegal or impeachable conduct. Andy Field, ABC News, Washington. Monday Night Football, a couple of games uh, last night. The New York Giants beating Green Bay 24-22 to and Tennessee beating Miami by a score of 28-27. to Our next update is at 1 o'clock. I'm Sean McCormick, News Radio 700 WLW. Who did you let down today? Your wife? Your kids? Well, how about yourself? Take a look in the mirror. If you're tired of your drug and alcohol problem, you need to fix the problem and... 
Here's your trucking forecast for the tri-state and the rest of the country. For tonight, mostly clear. We're dropping down to a low of 28 in the Cincinnati area. Sunny Tuesday, high 48. Increasing clouds, a low 27 on Tuesday night. Mostly sunny on Wednesday and a high 41. Mostly clear on Wednesday night with a low 24. And sunny on Thursday, high 46. Heavy snow across interior parts of New England. Heavy rain closer to the coast will slowly come to an end as gusty winds are are expected across all of the northeast corridor through tonight. Fast-moving cold front with snow showers and gusty winds are forecast across the plains and Great Lakes through Tuesday. Lake effect snow downward from the Great Lakes through Wednesday with the heaviest amounts downwind from Lake Ontario. Light snow over parts of the northern central Rockies. Moisture returns to the southern plains by Wednesday. WLW, I'm Kevin Gordon. This is America's Trucking Network. Thanks for hanging with us. I certainly appreciate it. Be a great time to remind you that America's Trucking Network supports the mission of wreaths across America. You can hear us every Trucking Tuesday at 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. Eastern on Wreaths Across America Radio. Available on the iHeart Radio app. Search for the word wreaths. Now that's W-R-E-A-T-H-S for wreaths across America radio. And thanks to all of our truckers for supporting the mission of wreaths across America. Now, uh, to remind everybody, December 16th, this coming Saturday, is the event of laying the wreaths on these different grave sites at cemeteries for veterans, veteran uh, grave sites in various cemeteries around the country. Currently, there's about 3,700 different cemeteries that are that are on that are slated to participate in this, and close to as we talked to Jeff Pierce last week, uh, the communications director for Wreaths Across America, they are approaching three million wreaths that will be laid at these uh, grave sites of these different uh, uh, veterans cemeteries or different veterans graves within certain cemeteries around the country and so i'm looking forward to participating in that event on saturday here in greater cincinnati northern kentucky area especially in southgate here uh, locally which is just down over the hill from me at a, a cemetery called evergreen there is a section there for civil war soldiers and then in the back um, a little bit further back into the middle of the uh, uh, graveyard, there are um, headstones for Spanish-American uh, war veterans, World War I veterans, and so on. And the thinking is, eventually, this organization, as we've mentioned, wants to lay wreaths at the, at, on the grave sites of every veteran, uh, if possible. But what they've chosen in certain uh, of the... Um, uh, I guess the, the groups around the country and our particular, at least here in, uh, Northern Kentucky with our particular segment and the particular group involved is that they want to honor the people, the, the soldiers in the older sections of the cemeteries. And the thinking behind all this is uh, also because, you know, the saying, and, and I'll tell you what, every time I say this, it, it, it gives me the chills. The saying goes that a soldier dies twice. Once when he is killed and once when his no, name is no longer mentioned. And, um, the fact of going into these older cemeteries, because, you know, a lot of these people have been, you know, their families have moved away. They don't have any family in the area anymore. And those graves go unattended. So at Christmas time, um, on this particular point, December 16th, those wreaths will be laid at their grave sites. Their name will be mentioned. 
And at the end of the ceremony or at the end, there's a ceremony where taps is blown. And it's a real beautiful um, a situation. I'm glad to participate in that. Uh, taking a look at oil and gas prices. By the way, this would be a good time to also remind you that if you miss any part of this program, make sure you hit up that iHeartRadio app, find 700 WLW, scroll through the various shows, find America's Trucking Network, all the shows, all the interviews, all the commentary that we've made. And of course, you know, opinion or two from me, because as you know, I have an opinion, not afraid to use it uh, right there at your fingertips. And of course, that's brought to you by Rush Truck Centers. And we certainly appreciate that. Uh, West, uh, currently, uh, oil prices, and this has been fluctuating a lot because, you know, when we, uh, ended, uh, Friday morning, of course, you had the rest of the trading day for Friday and, of course, all of Monday before we have our first show of the week. So a lot of volatility going on in the oil markets currently. Currently, West Texas Intermediate Crude is at $71.62 a barrel. That is up. Uh, 39 cents from Friday, and we'll get to that, which is up about 0.55%, about a half a percent. Brent crude currently is at $76.29 a barrel. That's up 45 cents or 0.59, almost uh, 0.66, six, oh, six tenths of a percentage point. Uh, what is going on currently in the oil markets? Oil prices held steady on Monday as worries persisted around crude oversupply despite OPEC plus cuts and softer fuel demand growth expected next year. Both contracts for uh, Brent crude and West Texas Intermediate crude rose more than 2% on Friday, but were down for the seventh straight week. Their longest uh, streak of weekly declines since 2018, since 2018 on lingering oversupply concerns. So for the seventh week in a row, they actually finished less than what they started the week at, but at least, well, as far as the investors were concerned, on Friday, those prices jumped um, 2%, which was a, a big jump. According to PVM's John Evans, an oil broker, uh, said on Monday, there's little doubt that the oil complex remains in a state of vulnerability. No kidding, Captain Obvious. Despite a pledge by OPEC Plus Group, which comprises the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries and allies such as Russia and other African countries, they pledged to cut 2.2 million barrels per day of crude production in the first quarter. Investors remain skeptical about that compliance. And there have been all kinds of stories last week as to whether or not some of these other smaller countries who depend on this oil revenue are willing to give up some of their financial security in order to participate in this. They want to drill. They want to get the money. They want to um, uh, sell the oil so that they can keep their economies alive and uh, not have to suffer any consequences. So, again, trying to keep the, the group together in terms of, I guess, approving any additional cuts uh, is going to be very difficult, and they're seeing that playing out. According to Jim Ritterbush, president of Ritterbush & Associates in Galena, uh, Illinois, Members participating in the output curtailments are not only seeing reduced revenue from smaller volumes, but also the price plunge that develops subsequent to OPEC plus decisions. Um, so, again, this gives fuel to the fire to, in terms of these companies or these countries not willing to really um, cut into their overall revenue. 
output growth for non-OPEC countries is expected to make up for some of this because there's a lot of oil-producing countries out there that are not part of OPEC and that as they raise their production, that will offset or the hope is that that will offset some of the production cuts from uh, OPEC. Uh, With cuts not implemented until next month, oil faces a volatile two months before clarifying any of the individual cuts and how that's going to play out in the market. Latest consumer price index from China, the world's biggest oil importer, showed rising deflationary pressures as weak domestic demand cast doubt on the the country's economic recovery. And this is something that's been ongoing uh, for all year long. The fact that China's economy is not recovering and bouncing back as fast as everybody expected to get to pre-pandemic stages. And so um, I, on the one hand, think that's a good thing because... Um, China is no friend of the United States. If uh, their economy suffers, that doesn't uh, I don't lose any sleep over that because they are an enemy of the country and they are an enemy of us and they are not doing things in our best interest. And again, this begs the question as to why in the heck we have a lot of manufacturing over there and why we are um, a trading partner of them. But uh, that's a story for another day. Chinese officials on Friday pledged to spur uh, domestic demand, and so on and so forth. Uh, this week, uh, the Fed meets. Uh, the Federal Open Market Committee will be meeting uh, today and Wednesday to determine what they're going to do as far as interest rates are concerned going into the end of the year. And I'd be very surprised to see if they did anything, if they hold steady. Uh, they're certainly not going to cut anything. But it would be interesting to see if they raise interest rates here. A lot of the expectation is that they're not going to do anything. But again, when it comes to the Fed, you never know. They keep touting the fact that they want uh, inflation rate around 2%. Last month, inflation numbers came in at 3.2%. And so that's still not around that 2%. However, you are starting to see indications in the economy, the economy slowing down in the United States, and that may be enough fuel for the um, uh, or examples that the Fed would say, all right, we're getting the expectation that we want. We want the economy to slow down, to rein in inflation, and we see that happening, and so hopefully they won't raise interest rates any further because I think we're kind of at a tipping point where if they raise interest rates much more, then we're going to see possibly some signs of a recession in the first quarter of next year. So, and uh, that's going on, and we'll, uh, of course, we'll keep you up to date on that. Uh, also, kind uh, of throw uh, uh, water or uh, a wet blanket over everything, and we'll get to this possibly in the next segment. A draft of a potential uh, climate deal from the COP28 summit on Monday suggested a range of options con- countries can use to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by omitted but they're trying to come up with a way of phasing out fossil fuels i don't think that's going to happen it's going to be interesting to see Uh, in fact they're still negotiating that and we should have a a final draft of what that report is going to be sometime later on today so we'll see that and we'll bring that up tonight well tomorrow morning when we meet coming up we're going to finish up with uh, gas uh, prices and then today in transportation history I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. Since 1973, OOIDA has been along for the drive. It started when a small group of us drove to Washington to speak up for our rights. And over the past 45 years, OOIDA's voice with lawmakers has grown loud and strong. Do you think we stopped there? No way. 
Policy is important, but so are things that you need daily to run your business and care for your family. So OOIDA provides truck insurance and health care, tools to build your business and invest in the future. We act as your advocate and educator, finding you ways to save money. We go where you go and pave new ways ahead so you never have to hit the brakes. Every curve, every way station, regulation change, and personal milestone, OOIDA is there, committed to your safety and success and the future of every professional truck driver on the road. Find out more at OOIDA.com. Are you a business owner, CEO, or responsible for marketing? If you are, iHeart Media can help you reach your goals and find new customers. WLW, I'm Kevin Gordon. Thanks for hanging with us. I certainly appreciate it. Taking a look at uh, national average for gasoline prices. Currently, national average is $3.15 a gallon. That is down about 23 cents from a month ago, down, uh, still down 13 cents from last year. However, and again, you know, that has to do with oil, uh, gas prices having gone up considerably after Russia invaded Ukraine. Gas prices went up another dollar twenty-five on top of the dollar twenty-five that they had already gone up in the previous year after the Biden administration took office because of closing down Anwar, um, stopping the construction of Keystone XL pipeline, and so on, and cutting back on oil production in this country or the av availability and the ability to drill oil in this country. But anyway, uh, from this time last year, uh, gas prices are down four percent. However, again, when you compare that back to twenty twenty. When we are energy independent for the first time since 1949, under the Trump administration, we are paying 90 cents more per gallon for gasoline today than we were back then. That's a 40% increase. And in the previous segment, we were talking about the Fed being concerned about uh, inflation rate. Well, oil prices, energy prices, gas prices are all part of the components that drive up that uh, inflation rate. So bringing oil prices down, bringing gas prices down by drilling here in the United States and doing more as far as production would certainly help those numbers. But that's not going to come anytime soon with this administration. Uh, currently uh, looking at diesel, diesel is currently at $4.10 a gallon nationwide average. That is down 27 cents from a month ago, down 84 cents from this time last year, which is a 17% decrease. But then again, when you compare that back to 2020, and if you notice, a lot of these figures that people are doing now as far as eggs and uh, the prices and mortgages and so on, when they're trying to figure out the inflation rate, all of them are zeroing in on the year 2020 as kind of the benchmark year as far as where you start looking at uh, inflation increases. And we have picked up on this. We've been way ahead of the curve on this because we've been talking about this since uh, April of last year when I started doing America's Trucking Network. So, again, listen to this show. You're going to be way ahead of the curve. You're going to be so far ahead of the curve, people aren't even going to see your taillights. But when you compare diesel prices back to 2020, when we were paying $2.56, we're paying $1.54 more per gallon for diesel today than what we were back then. That's a 60% increase. Now, again, when we're talking about inflation, that'll give you some indication there. Tying into this in terms of gasoline demand and oil demand and so on going into the final month of the year, or being here in the final month of the year, holiday crowds on the roads are expected to be bigger than last year. 
AAA predicts 115.2 million Americans will drive at least 50 miles, a um, 2.2% increase over the group's 2022 estimate. Uh, according to IEXA, A-I-X-A, Diaz, IEXA, Diaz, that desire to get away is stronger than we have seen in a very long time. She is a spokesperson for um, AAA. People are willing to adjust their budgets in other areas of their life, but they want to keep traveling. AAA predicts that the holiday season still will fall short uh, by 3% uh, short of the total travel in 2019, the last Christmas before COVID-19 hit the United States. So as good as these numbers were, uh, are looking and the predictions are, they're not going to be anywhere near or not going to be as good. They'll be 3% short of what they were pre-pandemic numbers, which gives you an indication of how strong the economy was in 2019. Uh, back during the Trump administration when people were traveling a lot more. Airlines are predicting a blockbuster holiday season. Airlines for America, uh, let me see, Airlines for America say that 39 million people, uh, about 2.8 million per day on average, will board U.S. flights between December the 20th and January the 2nd. Trade group says uh, oil, uh, U.S. carriers expected about 3 million um, on the peak days. Now, interesting in here, airlines count people more than once if they take connecting flights. So as they go through the terminals, they are considered as another passenger. So if you've got a, you know, two connecting flights, then you're considered as three passengers. Whereas the TSA, Transportation Safety Administration, they only count the number of people that have passed through their checkpoints. So uh, that's where some of these numbers may get a little skewed in terms of estimates and so on. Travel is strong even for many Americans. Say they are worried about the economy. In an AP uh, uh, NORC poll last week, 7 out of 10 people surveyed rated the economy as poor, but at least inflation has cooled off a bit. And when they say a bit, they're not kidding. It hasn't cooled off that much. Airline passengers are getting a slight break from last year's uh, high prices. Uh, prices are be about 13% lower than they were last year. Uh, according to AAA, nearly 104 million people will be driving over the holidays. Now, as far as the airlines are concerned, they are back to pre-2019, uh, pre COVID levels. So that's good as far as the airlines are concerned. So interesting news there. And we'll see how that plays out over the coming, uh, the rest of the month. And we'll see, uh, how those numbers, uh, pan out too. uh, see when the uh, estimates hit as opposed to what the actual numbers are. That all, that is always interesting. You know, I always love these estimates because once those estimates are actually found out, well, basically boils down to where the rubber meets the road because uh, they can make all the uh, individual predictions that they want, but the proof is in the pudding and whether or not they can uh, match those numbers. Um, that will be very interesting to see what happens. Now, I am looking for today in transportation history. On this date, December the 12th, 1901, Italian physicist and radio pioneer Guglielmo Marconi succeeds in sending the first radio transmission across the uh, Atlantic Ocean, disproving detractors who told him that the curvature of the Earth would limit transmission to 200 miles or less. 
The message simply, the Morse code signal for the letter S, traveled more than 2,000 miles from Ho in Cornwall, England, to Newfoundland uh, in Canada. Born in Bologna, uh, Bologna in uh, Italy in 1874, to an Italian father and an Irish mother, Marconi studied physics and became interested in the transmission of radio waves after learning of the experiments of German physicist Heinrich Hertz. He began his own experiments in Bologna beginning in 1894 and soon succeeded in sending radio signals over a distance of 1.5 miles. Receiving little encouragement for his experiments in Italy, he went to England in 19 or in 1896. Uh, formed a wireless telegraph company and soon was sending transmissions from distances further than 10 mi- further than 10 miles away. In 1899, he succeeded in sending a transmission across the English Channel. That year, he also equipped two U.S. ships to report U.S. newspapers on the progress of America's Cup yacht race. That successful endeavor aroused widespread interest in Marconi and his wireless company. Marconi's greatest achievement came on December the 12th, 1901, when he received a message from England at St. John's, Newfoundland. The transatlantic transmission won him worldwide frame. Ironically, detractors of the project were correct when they declared that radio waves could not follow the curvature of the Earth as Marconi believed. In fact, Marconi's transatlantic radio signal had been headed into space when it was reflected off the ionosphere and bounced back towards Canada. Much remained to be learned about the laws of uh, radio waves and so on. Uh, so on this date, uh, a very famous date, and of course, why we are on the radio today and why radio is so popular and we have radio waves around the world is because of Marconi. So on this date, December the 12th, 1901, the first transatlantic transmission of radio waves. Well, folks, that does it for us Uh Stay tuned for Red Eye Radio at the top of the hour. Certainly appreciate you uh, being with us today, and we'll pick this up uh, tomorrow. I'm Kevin Gordon, America's Trucking Network, 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. The House will be voting on whether or not to formalize an impeachment inquiry.